um, the, the, the wife says the day before they're supposed to leave, something came up at work. I can't go today, but I'm going to meet you there tomorrow. Why don't you go ahead of me and get down there, make sure everything is set up. I will meet you tomorrow. The husband, he, he does what his wife says. He gets on the plane. He, he flies down there. And when he gets to Jamaica, in his haste, he recognizes that he needs to let his wife know that he made it there safely. And so he pulls out his cell phone, and he starts, you know, and he's also trying to get an Uber. So in his haste, instead of texting uh, his wife of 20 years, he sends a text to an 80-year-old woman. An 80-year-old woman who had just lost her husband the day before. And this 80-year-old woman, she's in the midst of grieving. She's in the midst of a family coming over to the house. They got food. They got, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and she gets the text. And, and the first thing she does when she gets the text is, at first, she smiles. And then she passes out. And she hits the floor. To which her family rush in to try to figure out what's happening to, to Mima, what's happening to Grandma, what's happening to Mama, what's happening to Auntie. They rush in and they see her laying on the floor with the phone extended from her hand. And they figure there must have been something she saw. There must have been something she read that was on that phone. And so they grab the phone and they begin to read this message from this husband miles and miles away. And the first couple things he said to her uh, will cause you to recognize why she smiled. The first thing he said was, I made it here safely. Somebody say, oh. The second thing he said is, I miss you already. Somebody say, oh. But then the third thing he said kind of probably caused her to get weak at the knees. It said, um, I'll see you tomorrow. And then it said, it's hot down here. Come on, say amen, somebody. Some of y'all going to get that tomorrow. It's all right. But, but, but what we have in this story, what we have in this scenario is a husband who has a failure, a failure to communicate. Uh, uh, he, he failed. He, he missed it, right? And, um, and, and what we have, though, in, in the text that we're going to be in today and when we're talking about Jesus, uh, Jesus does not fail to communicate the mission. He does not fail to communicate uh, the, the role and the job of, of Christ followers. And so as a matter of fact, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse uh, 18 through 20, it says this. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Somebody shout two. Uh, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were what? Casting a net into a what? A lake. For they were what? Fishermen. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for what? People. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, verse 19 says it all. Um, and, and it tells us what the end game uh, of Jesus is really about. It tells us that we will be fishers of people, that, that the reason why you uh, uh, give your life to Jesus is not just for you. Uh, the reason why you get delivered and set free and, and you have access to the thing, the reason why you have the gifts and abilities and the access to resources that you do is not just for you. It is so God can use you to fish for people. That God, maybe some of you, you your, your gift is different than mine. See, I, my gift is not singing. Come on, say amen. Like, if I start singing, everybody going to leave. Come on, say amen, somebody. Like, that might not be your gift, but maybe your gift is loving people well. Maybe your gift, for example, my grandparents, their gift was cooking. They knew how to prepare the kind of meals that when you ate their food, you felt like you felt the presence of God. Come on, say amen, because there was so much love in the food, and they prayed over the food. I watched them do it. They prayed that God, as we give this food to people, because we don't have a whole lot. When we give this food to people, that they will feel your presence, that they will feel your love, and that they would know you, and that they would know the fellowship of believers. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Like, maybe your gift is cooking. Maybe your gift is speaking. Maybe your gift is singing. Maybe your gift is, is through administration. Maybe your gift is through helping people with their finances. Maybe your gift is something else. But all of us have been given a gift. The challenge is, how do you use what God has given you to bless somebody else? But Jesus says specifically to fish for people, in other words, he will use you to bring more people to him. Now, I brought a couple of nets with me today. Um, anybody in here like to fish? Any fishermen in the house? Okay, a few folks. And, you know, you, you, you can cast a line every now and then and catch one fish. Come on, say amen. 
or, or you can get one of these kind of things right here and you go out there and you, you catch a couple more, right? Um, and, and there's a way in which God wants to use you to, to catch fish. But see, if you just keep doing this, you ain't going to get but so many. Come on, say amen. Well, sometimes you need, uh, you need something like this, right? Like what I want you to understand about the difference between you by yourself and the church is that sometimes when you got other people that are fishing with you, the net gets a whole lot bigger. Is anybody getting this? Like the job, the, 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 the responsibility of, of Mission House is not just to be individual fishermen. It is to be a community of people who fish together. Now, I was, uh, I was in Ghana, West Africa uh, several summers, and uh, what I loved to do when I was there is I loved to go into the village, and in the village there were fishermen. And the fishermen, you would, you would hear them before you saw them because they would be singing. And they would be singing songs together as they would mend their nets. And as you walked into the village, you didn't even see the boats yet. You didn't even see the people yet. But you could hear the echo of the music. And it was such a beautiful sound. It was all a cappella. There was no drums, nothing like that. They would just be singing songs and mending their nets. And then what they would do a few times a day is after they mended their nets, is they would send some boats out in one direction and another boat out in another direction. And they would meet each other in the middle of the ocean. And their nets would be dragging behind them, and they would meet in the middle, and they would bring in the fish. They didn't fish by themselves. They fished together. Somebody shout together. And so one of the things I want to say to you is that part of what God says is, as I, as I send you out to fish for people, don't try to fish by yourself. You got to learn how to fish with other people, which means you got to have relationship with other people. That means people got to know you, and you got to know them. Now, here's the challenge. When you start dealing with people, life get messy. <laughs> Come on, say amen. Because they ain't always going to do what you like. They ain't always going to do what you say. Come on, say amen, somebody. Like, you're going to have to fish for people. I'm sure every now and then in that fisherman village, there was an argument. Just like every now and then, there's going to be something that's going to happen, break out in the church. Come on, say amen. But we are to fish for people. Maybe, maybe you heard of this uh, Avengers uh, movie that came out a few months ago, and uh, the digital copy of it was released this week. Uh, before it came out uh, in the theaters, 4,000, somebody shout 4,000, 4,000 theaters were sold out before it even came out with pre-orders. Not, not it, it hadn't hit yet. It was pre-orders and 4,000 theaters, not 4,000 people, 4,000 theaters were sold out with pre-orders. Pre-orders. Now, now this this particular film has made has grossed over three billion dollars. Over two billion have been outside of the U U.S. The storyline of this Avengers uh, movie uh, is that they must figure out a way to bring back their fallen friends from this uh, epic battle with this guy by the name of Thanos. Any, anybody follow Avengers? I'm, I'm just trying to talk to a few people in the room, and maybe you, you'll follow along. And Thanos, he has the power to destroy their planet. He has the power to destroy the universe as, as they know it. And this movie has the responsibility of tying up a lot of loose ends, uh, a lot of time uh, loops, and embracing the arc of characters uh, over the course of 20 movies over the past decade. And so this Avengers movie was kind of the culmination of all of these Marvel films. So in some ways, the movie is kind of an ending, which is why it's called The Endgame. But in other ways, it paves the way for what is a new beginning. Somebody shout new beginning. So this movie, The Avengers Endgame, is a complex story of twists and turns. It, it turns our ex expectations upside down. People you thought that, uh, that, that they would survive, they don't. And people you thought you would never see again, they suddenly reappear when you least expect it. At times, if you are a diehard follower of, of Marvel, you'll find the storyline to be a little bit messy and a little bit confusing, but the reality is it's still a beautiful story. It's still a beautiful story. Now, why do I mention this this in-game movie. Why do I bring this up today? Uh, it is a modern portrait of what is similar to us today. It is, uh, if you look at our lives, if you look at what God is doing with us, it is this mixture of God's story, our story, and other people's story. Uh, at times it's messy. At times it's challenging. At times it gets a little bit confusing. But it's also this beautiful thing that at the end, if we stay the course, if we trust 
God, if we trust his plan, if we trust the Holy Spirit, we'll begin to see what God is really up to. And all of us can relate to loss. All of us can relate to disappointment. All of us can relate to things not necessarily going the way we want them to go. But there is an end goal. There is an end game. Are you with me? And Jesus, Jesus came to do certain things, and then he empowers us to do other things. Y'all remember last week, right? We are sent to different groups of people with a clear mission and message empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Like, God has given us the ability to do certain things, and, and now the challenge is, how do I live this out, God? And so I think there's some specific things today that I want to share with you that I believe um, might touch you and speak to you personally, but I hope it also speaks to you collectively because of your mission here at, at Mission House. Like there's certain things that you go through that, that sometimes you need to be encouraged. Sometimes you need to be reminded of, of what you're going through is not strange. Like what you're dealing with is not odd. Uh, the Bible says, think it not strange that these fiery trials have come upon you, which are to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Like, there's some things about life that are just natural, right? Like, like for example, we, we counsel couples all the time, my wife and I, and, and there are these moments when, when we're counseling a couple, and they look frustrated, and they look, they look like, angry, and, and we look at each other, and we almost laugh. Because we know that's normal. <laughs> right? Like, like, what you're going through is not anything unusual. Like, you're just dealing with the realities of, of, of living together, of being together. Like, you ain't always going to get what you want, and you ain't always going to get what you want. You got to learn how to work together. Is anybody getting this? And so we look at each other because we like, you know, we, we had an argument on the way here to this meeting. You know what I mean? Like, we understand. Like, but we still together. Divorce is not an option for us. But, but we want to love you and help you to understand what's normal and what's not. And then we also point out when there's something that ain't right. Like, no, that ain't, that ain't normal. Are you with me? And so the reason why this text that we're going to speak into today I think is important, and there are a couple passages that I want to give you, is to help normalize some things. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to like it because it's normal. That doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it because it's normal. It just means that you have context to understand what's normal. Are you with me? Let's, let's go to chapter 12 of the book of Acts, beginning at the first verse. And it says this. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James. Somebody shout James. The brother of John put to death with the sword when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. Now, stop for a second. So he's arrested uh, James. Now, this is not James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus who writes the book of James. This is not that James. This is another James. This is, this is one of the three sons of thunder. Like, this is the inner circle of Jesus. There was Peter, James, and John. So this is that James. Somebody shout James. So he had that James put to death. Um, with a sword, when he saw that this was actually uh, pleasing to the Jews, he said, I'm going to do some more. So he sees the leader of the church, who's Peter. Watch this. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads. Watch this. Four squads of four soldiers each. So this is 16 soldiers. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine walking with Jesus, seeing Jesus perform miracles, seeing Jesus go to the cross, seeing Jesus be raised from the dead, knowing that you've been empowered by him to bless people, to love people, to fish for people, right? Like, and then all of a sudden, the people that you're trying to go love on, the people that you're trying to go share this message with, they turn on you, arrest you, and kill some of your other leaders. Like, that's the context of this story, right? They're, they're trying to do what Jesus told them to do. They, they know they've been empowered by him, but, but they're experiencing what we would call persecution. Somebody shout persecution. And so this, these, this is a three, one of the three sons of thunder. Uh, these men were not lone gunmen. These men did not have suicide vests strapped to their bodies. Uh, they were not putting off roadside bombs. This punishment came in response to their preaching. It came in response to their teaching. It came in response to their healing in the name of Jesus. 
I love the way James Cone puts it. He says, the gospel of liberation is bad news to all oppressors because they have defined their freedom in terms of the slavery of others. This level, watch this, this level of incarceration, this level of persecution is not in response to the threat of Peter and James. There's only one way to explain it. This kind of persecution is coming at the threat of power against systems of oppression. Let me say that again, because I think, I think you need to get that. This comes only when there's a threat against powers of systems of oppression. More specifically, the threat of what God can do when God transforms people's lives. So persecution rarely, watch this, it rarely has anything to do with the people being persecuted and everything to do with the power they oppose. Did y'all get that? It, it doesn't have a whole lot. It didn't matter who the people were. It didn't matter if it was the three sons of thunder. It didn't matter if it was the other 12. It didn't matter if it was 72 or the 144. Like, you are opposing power. As a matter of fact, if I can get real honest, it wasn't Jesus' message, spiritual message, religious message, that got him killed. It was a political message that they saw him as a king. That's what got him killed. Are you with me? Now, now the Jews spent it a little bit to kind of make it, you know, they, they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to turn it to where, where you'll get, get excited and you'll try to step in because if we, if we make this political, then you'll, you'll kill him for us. It was not his religious message. They could have cared less about that. It was his political message. So when people start saying, like, like Jesus, like, um, uh, Jesus wasn't political, I'm like, oh, yes, he was. Now, he wasn't partisan, <laughs> but he was political. Come on, say amen. Like, he was not a Democrat or a Republican or a, liber a liberal. Are you with me? Or, or, you know, he was not that, but he was definitely political. To be called a king would have been like being called a president. That's political. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus was political. And so that's what got him killed. But let's keep going. Now, if you begin to understand that this, this threat uh, Jesus helps us understand that what happens to him will happen to us. Power recognizes power. And there's no power greater than the power of our God to transform lives, churches, and communities through the hope and holiness of Jesus Christ. Persecution is the enemy's best effort to defeat us and, and, um, and our God. If we're being persecuted in some form or fashion, it helps to remind us that we might be a threat. If you're not getting persecuted, chances are you're not a threat and you might be on the wrong team. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, like if you're not getting persecuted, if you're not getting, if people are not talking about you, if, you, if you're not getting ridiculed, like you might not be a threat and you might be on the wrong, you might be on the wrong team. So I think as, as a church, you can relate to this kind of ridicule. Right? You can relate to this kind of persecution. You have a mega mission that takes you into the public square. It, it causes you to challenge the power systems. You can expect that you and the leaders of your church will be criticized. You will sometimes be maligned, uh, but you got to keep on moving. You got to keep on pressing, but let's keep on reading. Let's slide over to Acts chapter 14. There's something in this particular text uh, as we move uh, from... Um, persecution, I want you to understand that as leaders, as people, you, you often dive between or move between persecution, too much persecution or too much criticism, and too much praise or too much recognition. And, and part of your challenge and my challenge is to know how to navigate when I'm getting too much praise or too much recognition and how to navigate when persecution or too much criticism comes because there's really no in-between. Like, if you ever lead, like, I, I grew up and, and I played sports, and so the, the positions that I played in football was quarterback, in um, basketball was point guard, in baseball was the pitcher. And when you play those kinds of positions, you either get too much praise or you get too much criticism. Like, there's no in-between. Like, when you lose, everybody looks to you. It's your fault. Are you with me? Like, it's your fault. Like, you should have threw that pass or you should have, you know, uh, you threw the intercept. Like, uh, if you're a pitcher, you, 
It's your fault. If you're point guard, it's your fault. And so what I learned growing up is like this immense pressure and criticism that I would get. And I worked at a, like my job was at a food line. And so like I couldn't hide, right? Like whenever I had... <laughs> On Friday, when the game was over, I had to go to work on Saturday, and everybody's coming through food line because it was like the only grocery store that people went to. And everybody's coming through the food line, and they're like, there he is at 16 years old. And so I learned, I learned how to manage the pressure of criticism, but I also had to learn how to deflect too much praise. And I had to learn how to had to deflect the praise to my linemen. I had to learn to deflect the praise to our running backs. I had to learn to deflect the praise to my coaches. I had to learn to uh, deflect the praise to, to the, the game plan that we had and, and understand that I can't absorb any kind of praise, but I do need to learn how to take the blame. Is anybody getting this? But I do need to learn how to take the blame. And so watch this. Watch what it says. Acts uh, 14, beginning at verse 8. It says, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. Somebody shout lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. Verse 9, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Uh, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand, excuse me, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, my first point to you today is that sometimes uh, in this process of, of dealing with praise and persecution, like sometimes you simply need to show up. Touch your neighbor and say, show up. You got to, sometimes you, yeah, yeah, you didn't get the right neighbor. Like, high five somebody else and say, sometimes you just got to show up. You, you, you just got to show, you just got to show up. Now, now sometimes, watch this, sometimes half the battle is showing up. I, I used to wonder why, like, why in the world do they celebrate in school perfect attendance? Like, why are we giving out certificates and medals for, for, for perfect attendance? Now, I soon learned, even when I got to college, that I looked at my syllabus and I would see in some classes, like, participation or attendance was like 25% percent of the grade. And I'm thinking if I just show up for class, I'm 25 percent there. Why? Because you can't learn something if you ain't there. Come on, help me somebody. Half the battle and walking with Jesus is just showing up. Oh my God. If you just show up when you need to. If you just show up when God says go. And so here we find that he starts showing up. Part of being a witness and part of our willingness uh, to walk with God is showing up in people's lives, showing up when they're hurting, showing up when there's something to celebrate, showing up. And then you got to let God do the rest. Watch this. Um, Willie James Jenkins, uh, author of Acts. If you haven't read this book, I highly recommend it for the series y'all are in. Acts is a, a theological, theological commentary in the Bible of the book of Acts. Willie James Jennings has this book. Uh, on the book of Acts, he says this. He says, disciples are watched, especially by those in need. Disciples must be seen, especially by those in need. Sometimes it ain't enough to say, I'm going to pray for you. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes that ain't enough. Now, now, if you can't show up, then you do what you can. And sometimes it would help if you showed up. Like, my, my pastor, my, 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 the first pastor I had, my dad was like my first pastor, but the first pastor that ordained me, um, he taught me something. Uh, pastor Hayden taught me something really, really. He said, you know, when, when there's trauma in people's lives, those are times that people remember the most. And that is not the time for you to be absent. You make every effort you can in moments of trauma, in moments of death, in moments of sickness, in moments of celebration. Because the brain is wired to remember those moments. And you need to, sh like if you ain't going to show up any other time, you need to be there then. Are you with me? Half the battle is showing up. Somebody shout show up. So let me give you an example. So uh, I mentioned Ghana, West Africa. Uh, I was there several times. And one time I was there, uh, the first time I was there actually, I, I came and I've been cutting my hair since I was like uh, 12, right? And, um, you know, back then, you know, you didn't have to do a whole lot. Come on, say amen. Like you could just put something around your head. You could just do like a little circle, just cut that down and cut this up. Come on, say amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The little bowl, you know, I didn't even know how to do a fade. I just cut it down and just let the rest go. But I got a little bit better. I learned how to do a fade or whatever. And so I, I, was, I was in Ghana 
And, um, and if you've ever traveled abroad, you know this, like the voltage in some places is higher than it is here. So if you ever get on a cruise, like sometimes when you plug in your um, devices, the voltage in the cruise ship is higher than yours, right? And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm in Ghana, and I didn't notice, and so I'm supposed to get a converter. The converter, you plug the converter in the wall, and then you can plug your device into the converter based on what the voltage is supposed to be, and the converter shifts your, that voltage from the wall to the voltage is supposed to be on your device, and then you're good to go. I didn't know that. I'm plugging my, my clippers into the wall, and I'm about to cut my hair. I turn them on, and they start smoking. Something ain't going that ain't. Smoking clippers on my head just ain't going to work. Come on, say amen, somebody. And so I turn them off. I'm like, oh, man, like I can't cut my hair. And I started walking around looking like the woolly mammoth. Y'all ain't saying amen. Like, because I'm used to getting my hair cut like every four or five days, right? Um, especially my line. Let the brother say amen. Like, you got to have a tight. Come on. Come on now. And, and so I'm used to getting my, 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 right, you know, and I'm going weeks with no haircut. And finally, I come up on this brother that's, that's touring us, that's showing us around. His name was Kofi. And Kofi's got this nice Faith. And I'm like, hey, hey, Kofi. Hey, man, who cuts your hair? He was like, hey, man, there's this brother in Kumasi right down the street from where my house is. He fades me up like every week, man. I was like, Kofi, can you take me to this brother? Can this brother, I'm looking like the woolly mammoth. He was like, yeah, you do like you need a cut. Y'all ain't saying amen. And so I go over to Kofi's house. Watch this. I go over to Kofi's house. He goes and gets the guy because I'm like, ain't we going to go to his shop? He's like, no, he's coming to us. I know. Okay. And so the brother comes in and he's got this little bitty bag. And I'm like, maybe they got different clippers here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe, maybe they got different clippers. And the brother comes, he's like, oh man, I'm so thankful you came and whatever. And so he's like, you know, we're going to cut your hair outside. I'm like, okay, you know, why are we going outside? We walk outside and there's this big courtyard about the size of this room. And in the middle of the courtyard is a bucket of water. And next to the bucket of water is a chair. And there are people all around the courtyard. And I walk out to that bucket of water and to that chair thinking and feeling like I was going to my death. Y'all ain't saying it, man. I'm like, what is about to happen? And, but, you know, you, you're in Ghana, you're in a place where you don't supposed to, like, you know, make any expressions to kind of shame your, your host or whatever. So I'm trying to, like, keep a straight face. But in my mind, I'm like, God, help me, Jesus. So I sit down, and this brother takes the water, and he slaps his hand in the water, and he slaps it on my head. And I'm thinking, what you thinking? Water and electricity don't go good together. Come on, say amen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? I don't see any outlets or whatever. And the brother takes his little bag, and he pulls out first a comb. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I can deal with that. And then the brother pulls out a razor blade. That's what I'm thinking. Fade and razor blade just don't seem to go good together. And this brother starts cutting me up. And I can feel the razor blade up against my skin. And I'm like, Lord, please don't let a fly fly on my ear or this brother get distracted. Like it could be like Jesus in the garden. I could lose an ear. Come on, say something. And this brother just fade me. He cuts my hair in 15 minutes. And then he asked me, you want me to do the line, brother? Y'all know what a line is. That's when you get that nice, tight, you know, in the part. And I wanted to say no, but you can't, brother. You can't get a haircut without the line. And I'm like, yeah, man, give me, give me the line. That brother starts lining me up. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. Don't let me die. He's lining me up. And then Kofi hands me the mirror. And I say, hey, 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 hey. Hallelujah! And the people start clapping. They think I'm clapping because the haircut. It's partially because the haircut, but I'm really clapping because I survived. Hallelujah! I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I'm hugging the guy, and they're like, yes, yes. We get back into the house. This is a true story. I'm not lying. This is a true story. We get back into the house, and I'm just so thankful. I'm like, bro, I appreciate you cutting me up, man. I look, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't want to go back to my wife looking crazy. And, um, and I said, man, but, you know, razor blade? How long have you been doing that? He said, oh, man, like, yeah. I was like, man, you, you, you scared me a little bit with that razor blade. He said, oh, man, I almost pulled out this. He went back into the back, and he pulled out a knife. He said, sometimes I cut people's hair with this. It looked like a Rambo knife. 
I said, bro, if you had pulled that out, I'd have been <laughs> out of here. And then I said, oh, man, I appreciate you. I said, but, like, Kofi, what were all the people doing in the courtyard? He said, I forgot to tell you. He said, this brother had an incredible barbershop. But here, like, when something happens, when there's some kind of catastrophe with buildings and things of that nature, like in your country, you get loans and you're able to kind of reestablish yourself. Here, it takes a whole lot longer. And something happened with this brother's business. Everything collapsed, and he hasn't been able to support his family. And I knew that if you allowed him to cut your hair as an American leader in their presence, his business would skyrocket, and he would be able to take care of his family. All I had to do. somebody to get this in your spirit like sometimes you don't have to say nothing you don't have to do nothing like like sometimes like particularly when people are going through something like you don't need to say anything like sometimes just I'm mm, somebody's getting this sometimes somebody shout show up but after you show up, watch this. After you show up, uh, you, 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 you got to pay attention because uh, God's doing something around you. He's always at work. God is always at work in you and around you. And you start to notice, like, what's happening with people. You start to notice what's happening in your community. And some of those things are good, and you should celebrate those things. And then you start to recognize that some of those things that are happening are not so good. And part of what happens next is after Paul shows up, he notices. He notices. Shout somebody and say notice. He, he notices what's going on with this man. He showed up, he's paying attention, and he notices. Now, once you show up and you notice, now you got something to do. Next, you got to speak up. Show up, notice, but then you got you to speak up. Somebody shout, speak up. Um, one of the things that I want to suggest to you is that sometimes our silence it is, it is seen as us being complicit with what's going on around us. And, and sometimes you probably wonder, like, why, why does our church keep speaking up? Like, why do our church keep saying something? Like, why we always got to be on? Are y'all with me? Like, why, why, what, can I be honest? I used to be like that with my dad. Like, daddy, you got to say something now. Like, everything was going good. And dad's like, what? I feel like. The Lord is telling me. Y'all know that feeling like the Lord is telling you to say something. Oh, Lord, what is the Lord telling you, Dad? Like everybody's doing good. But sometimes God has you to show up so that you will speak up. Now, we have to, we got to use wisdom now. We have to be discerning now because showing up and speaking up, you don't just speak up. You, you, uh, David, whenever, and David was a warrior. Everybody shout warrior. David was a warrior. David could fight. Like, David was not the brother you wanted to meet in the middle of the alley. Come on, say amen, because David would take you out. But every time David came up on a battle, David would always ask, should we go up? Should we fight? Because it's not his skill and his ability that's the issue. The issue is, God, are you going to be with me? So showing up is part of it, but you got to pray for when to speak up, and how to speak up, and who to speak to. Somebody say amen. Like, don't just speak up because you're there. Don't just speak up because sometimes David went up and God said, no, don't fight now. And he backed away. Other times David went up, he said, I got you. David went in. And so you got to discern, you got to use wisdom because sometimes you might be right, but you might be in the wrong spirit. Has that ever happened in your marriage? Has that ever happened with your kids? Has that ever happened with your friends? You was right, but you didn't have the right spirit. Or they were right, but they didn't have the right spirit. And you can be right, but come at me with the wrong spirit, and I'm not having anything to do with your rightness. Are you all with me? Because I detect a wrong spirit. And so when we speak up, we have to care more about being in the right spirit. We got to care more about being a blessing to the community. Like, like, what am I really trying to accomplish by speaking up? Is this about me? Or is this about what's best for us 
as a community. This is about what's best for us and our marriages. This is about what's best for us as our family. Like, you got to be careful speaking up because, yeah, you're supposed to show up, but when you speak up, discern that when you speak up, you're doing it in the right spirit. Am I helping somebody? Is this a blessing to anybody? Because because ch- the challenge is, like, if we start speaking up uh, or we choose not to speak up, the reality is sin is sin. Like, sometimes you can speak up in the wrong spirit and it be sin. And sometimes you can show up and not speak up when you're supposed to speak up and the sin of omission is there too. Because how is it that God sends you to say something and you're silent? So we can speak up in the wrong spirit and be sin or we can show up, see what's happening and say nothing and it still be sin. Willie James Jennings says this, ministry in the name of Jesus Christ releases people to speak. Watch what Paul does here. He calls out to the man. He tells him to stand up. The man is healed, but watch what happens next. The Bible says, beginning of verse 11, it says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and reeds to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So they're they're treating them like gods. Sound like too much recognition, right? Sound like too much praise. Now, I've been, I've been um, thanked and blessed, but I've never been told I was a god. Come on, say that's a whole nother level. Come on, say amen, somebody. And I'm sure Paul's like, y'all up here, and I need y'all to come back down here somewhere. You know what I mean? But watch what, but when Paul, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out to the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Slide down to verse 18. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. Now listen to this. Sometimes you'll have seasons where you get too much criticism. Sometimes you'll have seasons where you get too much recognition. Uh, This simply comes with the territory. But you have to be willing to do what Paul does here in this text. You have to be willing to speak up. Uh, Will you welcome uh, people's recognition or will you point people to Jesus? Like, will you, will you absorb the praise or will you point people to the real reason this is even happening? Because people will get confused. Like, people who are not discerning and people who are not walking in this kind of wisdom, they'll see your presence and they'll give you the credit. And let me just alarm you to this, that God doesn't share his stuff. Like, he doesn't share his praise. He, he doesn't share worship, right? He just, the Bible says God is a jealous God. Like, he, he just doesn't do that. And so, like, whenever he puts you in a position to where he, you, you really are supposed to point to him, it's a dangerous thing to take it for yourself. Like, even, like, sometimes, and I'm not saying you should do this today, uh, but well, sometimes when somebody will come up afterwards and say, man, thank God for the message. Like, I, I appreciate that. I know what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do, but there's a part of me that, like, cringes because I, I immediately want to say, thank God, bless the Lord. Like, you know, I want to like, don't give me any credit. Like, if there's anything that you got from this, that came from him, not me. Are you with me? Now, if it was horrible, that was me. <laughs> But if it's anything good, if anything good came from it, don't give me credit. Give him credit because he's the one that deserves the praise. Is anybody getting this? Let me talk to you about it this way. So um, I, I, I um, ride motorcycles. And anybody ride motorcycles in the house? Any bikers in the house? And when you, when you learn to ride a motorcycle, um, what they do, it, it's a lot like typing, right? When you learn to type, you do just two things over and over again. You know, you hit two, two uh, uh, letters over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. You do it for like a whole hour or so. And then you move to another two letters. See, riding a motorcycle the same way is they teach you how to do the brake and how to do the, the clutch over and over again. They teach you how to step on the brake uh, with your foot over and over again. They teach you how to do that over and over and over again. You know what they're trying to develop? Muscle memory. Muscle memory. So when you develop muscle memory, you don't have to think about it anymore. Like sometimes when, like right now, we're going into the football season where, where people start, you know, the quarterbacks start throwing passes and everything. And you think about, like, how is it possible for this, this quarterback to throw this ball, like on, like, on a dime to the receiver, like, and they catch it. You know why? Because they do that in practice over and over and over and over again to the point where it's muscle memory. And when I'm riding my motorcycle, I don't think about clutch, brake. I don't think about it anymore now because I've developed muscle memory. When you type now, you don't think about it really. I mean, you, you know the letter, but you don't look down and say, you know, you, you, because you have developed muscle memory. Is anybody getting this? 
And sometimes you're going through certain things in your life. You know why you're going through them? He's developing muscle memory. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to help somebody. Like, you know why you keep running to that same problem over and over and over and over again? Is he's trying to teach you humility. He's trying to teach you patience. He's trying to teach you how. Because he's just saying, I, if I can just teach you this, you're going to move to this. And then after I teach you that, I'm going to teach you this. And after you learn that, I'm going to teach you this. And then once you get that, I'm going to teach you this. Is anybody getting this? And see, and see, once, see, once you move to the next letter, you don't have to go back to that one because you already have muscle memory for that. Oh! But he can't teach you all that. At the same. He doesn't teach you how to type all at once. He teaches you just a couple letters. And somebody right now, he just, touch your name and say muscle memory. And so as you start to speak up, as you start to show up, God is teaching you muscle memory. But that's not all. Here's, here's where you expect a happy ending, right? I mean, you would, you would have thought that after Paul told the people in Lystra about the goodness of Jesus, after uh, that, the, immediately the whole town would place their faith in Jesus. But no, that's, that's not what happens. Watch what happens uh, next in the text. Is anybody ready for this? Uh, verse uh, 19, it says, then, somebody shout then. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned, now this is not getting high stone. This is like stoning to death. They stoned, somebody shout stone. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Verse 20, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. Somebody shake, shout got up. He got up and he went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then, somebody shout then. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Watch this. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, instead of, of, of uh, giving thanks, some haters, sipping on haterade show up. Anybody getting this? And they capture Paul and Barnabas and convince the same crowd that was seeing them as gods, they convince the same crowd to kill them. Like, it's amazing how quick the crowd will turn on you. <laughs> I've been through some stuff in my life where it's like, like, you, you turn that quick? None of this seems worthy of a death sentence, but you got to be prepared for too much praise and too much criticism. And understand that it's not a matter of if these things are going to happen. It's a matter of when they happen. Like, what are you going to do? Um, beware of living your life for the opinions of other people. If you get delivered from anything, you got to get delivered from people's opinions about you. What you should do and what you should wear and where you should live and how you should act. And are you with like, ooh, that is a deliverance. I'm so thankful for the deliverance from people. Now that don't mean you don't love people. That don't mean you don't care for them. That don't mean you don't walk with them. But you cannot be consumed with the opinions of people. They stoned Paul so bad that the people were sure. Watch this. They were sure he was dead. Now most of us. After being stoned like that, if we survived, we'd have got up and got out of Dodge. Y'all ain't saying amen. Oh, we'd have, oh, boy, like, you've been like, oh, like, y'all would have been out. But watch this. Like, we'd have licked our wounds. We'd have head home. We'd have, we'd have said, you know what, back there, y'all don't go there. Like, but watch this. He gets up, and he goes back. Into the same city where he just got stoned and he preaches some more. Mm. Now, I'm sure some people would be like, that dude is cray cray. <laughs> but, but that leads to my last point to you this is this don't give up. Like, you gotta show up, you gotta speak up, but you, you can't give up. Feelings can't be your filter. Fear of how people might respond can't be your filter. 
physical danger can't be the determining factor. There will be times when you feel like showing up. There will be times when you, you don't feel like speaking up. And there will definitely be times when you feel like giving up. But there has to be something more. There has to be something that pushes you beyond how you feel in spite of fear, in spite of danger. What am I talking about? I'm talking about conviction. I'm co- talking about being convinced of some things. And what Paul was convinced of is that the power of God is better, is stronger, is more superior even than these people. And if it costs me everything, I'll die here tonight. That's some conviction. That that their life, the same people who just tried to kill you, you willing to sacrifice your life for them? That's some real love. So here's the thing. As I was doing my devotion this morning, this hit me strong. And I don't know why. I don't know who this is for. But in order to be this kind of vehicle, personally, collectively, you got to be willing to forgive people. Jesus died for the people who killed him on the cross. Matter of fact, while he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. Now, when you really get messed up and messed over and mistreated, it's real easy. See, my default, see, I grew up in the hood. I, I, like, th- there's, cer- there's certain, like, uh, muscle memory that I have. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> I ain't always been a pastor. Come on, say amen. Like, I was that joker that would be on the bus. They took me off the bus because I fought so much on the bus. Y'all ain't saying amen. Like, I, my muscle memory is to react. My muscle memory is like, you either I'm going to take you out or you're going to take me out, but somebody about to get out. Y'all ain't saying amen. Like, that's my muscle memory in the flesh. That's how I grew up. And so it took a lot of God to get that out of me and to tame my temper. And so my knee-jerk reaction, even now, like when I play basketball, I'm out, of, you know, trying to stay in shape. I'm out on the court, and somebody fouled me real hard. The first thing I do is pop up. I don't care if they seven foot, because that's my muscle memory. And then the Holy Spirit has a, you need to calm down. Who am I trying to help? See, you don't want to forgive. You want to react. You don't want to walk away. You don't want to bite your tongue. You want to tell them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you put the Jesus on the end. You, I'm trying to talk to some real people. Like when you've really been hurt, when people really mistreat you, when, when you get maligned for no reason, you want to react. You want to react on Facebook. You want to react in the, in the grocery store. Like you want to react on the... On the road, like, come on now. You want to react. You want to bow up. I know how to do that. But what it took time for God to do is teach me how to bite my tongue and teach me how to love them, even though at times I don't like them. And teach me how to forgive them while it's happening. Jesus says, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. See, When you are walking in forgiveness, you have one hand open to God to receive forgiveness. And then you have another hand open to give it. And when you clench your fist to react, to respond, to, to, you know, you know that whole thing. What's not going to happen here is, come on, say amen, like, See, I, I, God's still working on me. Y'all, 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 maybe y'all already there. Maybe y'all already fully sanctified, and y'all don't need, but, oh, sometimes my wife has to put her hand on my shoulder and be like, babe, babe. <laughs> Learn to forgive them. God wants to use you 
as a vehicle of forgiveness and healing. And there's certain things that won't happen until you forgive people. There's certain things that won't happen until you forgive yourself. There, cer- it's almost like, you know, the 12-step the program, the first thing is acknowledging that there's a problem. And sometimes the, the real problem for us is unforgiveness, is we have not forgiven ourselves or we have not forgiven other people. And sometimes it's stuff that other people have done to us. Sometimes it's stuff we've done to ourselves. But part of the healing process, part of the breakthrough is you got to be willing to forgive them. And I can imagine that Paul is not going back into the city saying, I'm going to show them. I'm going to tell them. I'm sure while he was being stoned, he said what Jesus said, God, forgive them. Because they have no idea. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea who I am. They have no idea of the hope that I'm trying to bring. If they did, they would welcome it. But because they don't, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. These are the last couple things and I'm done. Dave Ferguson, a pastor up in Chicago, he uses this uh, acronym called BLESS. Somebody shout BLESS. And this is, this is how uh, I want to close this out. Um, he says begin with prayer. Everybody say begin. Um, you and I, we have to develop. This is how Jesus started. This is how Jesus sustained his ministry. You got to start with prayer. A prayer journal, a prayer team, people who are praying for you, people who are praying with you. Like if you don't have specific people that you know who are praying for you and with you every day, you need to find them. I don't care whether you're a pastor or whether you're not. Like, you need prayer warriors around you praying. And watch this. Whatever you expect other people to do, you got to be willing to do for them. It's the law of reciprocity, right? Like, if you need prayer warriors, if you need prayer around you, then you got to be willing to pray for other people. And then L first is uh, listen. Somebody shout listen. Like, we got to listen at least twice as much as we speak. One of the best ways we can love people is simply listening to them. I mean, really listening to them. People need uh, their story to be heard. And then E, like, all of us going to like this one. Like, we got to be willing to eat. Come on, say amen. Like, we got to willing to eat with other people. Like, I love food. Come on, say amen. Like, that, that's another thing I had to get delivered from, right? It's like, ooh, oh, I grew up around a family that loved to eat. Like, bro, you can't eat everything. Come on, say amen. But we do this about 21 times a week, right? So use part of that time as time to invest in other people, time to, to listen to other people, time to pour into other people. you got to be willing to eat with them. And then S, the first S is serve. Somebody shout serve. So when you listen to people, you'll hear. When you, when you show up, Paul, you'll notice what's happening with this man. And then you start to serve them. Then you start to bless them. Then you start to, to do something to, to contribute to their own healing and, and uh, well-being. And then lastly, you got to be willing to share stories. Somebody shout share. So eventually God will open up a door where you will hear their story, God's story, and your story intersects. Uh, so there's this, these two birds. This is my last story. These two birds. Um, one of the birds um, was in the house of a, a married couple, newlyweds. And that bird just kept saying, let us kiss. Let us kiss. Let us kiss. Another um, bird was in the house of a pastor, and it said, let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. And people began to wonder, what would happen if you put them two birds in the same cage? Let us kiss. Let us kiss. With let us pray. Let us pray. And so two middle school boys made it happen. <laughs> they got that first bird. They put that bird with other bird. And that just like on clockwork, on time, that bird said, let us kiss. other bird said, finally my prayers have been answered. (laughs) What am I saying? Most people have not given up on God. We've just given up on them. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting. Keep on knocking at the door. Is anybody getting this? Like you and I, like I, like even, even in this mode of, of, of violence and all the stuff that's happening around us, like we have to be the people who are the adults in the room. Come on, say amen, somebody. Like we got to be the ones who are pursuing God. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're facing, but keep on trusting. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking at the door. Don't give up. Don't give in.
Keep on showing up. Keep on speaking up. Don't ever give up. Let's stand, everybody. The end game is that he would do something in our lives that would cause us to be willing to fish for other people. But that means you got to show up. That means you got to discern when to speak up, how to speak up, who to speak to. And that means sometimes you got to forgive and you can't give up on people. I don't know who this is for, but you're really close to giving up on somebody. Don't give up. Now, if it's abuse or if it's something that um, is unhealthy in a relationship, then scripturally you have rationale to walk away. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something different. We can't give up on people. What would have happened if people gave up on you? What would have happened if Jesus gave up on us? Don't give up on people. They gave up. I told you about this last week. They gave up on Paul. The early apostles gave up on him. In Acts 9, Barnabas didn't. Barnabas went and found him and said, I haven't given up on you. I see something in you that other people don't see. And we don't talk about Barnabas a whole lot, but we talk about Paul because Barnabas was a hero maker. Barnabas had that spirit that said, you know what? When other people forget, when other people give up, I am not giving up on you. God has sent you to be an encouragement. God has sent you to be a Barnabas to somebody in your life. Don't give up on them. They might just be the Paul of this generation. And when you walk away, you miss a blessing, not to mention the community around you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the people in this room. God, thank you for their patience and their willingness to walk through this scripture, walk through this passage, walk through, God, what you're saying in the early church and what you're saying to us. God, help us to show up. Help us to speak up. God, help us not to give up. God, you know specifically what that looks like and what that feels like in their context. But God, I pray that you would give them the strength, the boldness, the courage, the tenacity to be all you've called them to be for such a time as this. We pray that in confidence and in faith. It's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Mm. There's still a, something that's lingering here, so grab hold to it, whatever it is. Let's get greedy. Suck it all up. Suck it all up. I don't know about you guys, but I needed this. I needed this. So amen. Amen. We can't give up. We got to speak up. But first, we got to show up. Amen. Amen. I think this is a good time for a clap back. Oh, we didn't clap back. Speak back. What pastor call it? I don't know. A response from the message. Clap back. What's stirring in your hearts? What is God saying? What do you want to share from this word? Always work on giving myself, forgiving other people. And it had been dormant. But I think it woke me up to realize that I still have a lot of work to be done go back and give myself a little bit of people. But I want to say to the prayer team, too, um, everlasting God and Jesus and Jesus here, I had prayed over and over and over with you those two points. So it was no accident um, that I felt like God sent uh, that message to me. And uh, it's too strong for us. Anyone else? What is God saying? What would you like to share? 
Pastor Cedric say, sometimes that, that memory muscle want to show up first. Because we, we quick. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, is that, you know what? God is still working on me with this. I might not give the right response. I might, I'm not the one for the assignment because I'm, I'm still working on this. He's, he's still dealing with me. And, he's, and I thank God for his trans, him being transparent today. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we don't get that from pastors. They want to stand and they got all the right answers. They do all the right things. But when you have a leader that can stand and say, even I may fall short, you know, let you know that, okay, we good. We working through this. Amen. Anyone else? I don't want to leave anybody out. thank you for these two Sundays um, for you traveling from your home up and down the highway to be a blessing to us and I got notes I'm telling you these two if if pastor ever give me a sermon series y'all coming out of Acts All right. <laughs> because for these last two weeks I have been chewing on this I've been chewing and Anthony was asking me he was like well what did you get out of it and I tried to tell him and then he y'all know how pastor Anthony is he just keep asking like the first question always lead to a second and a second. So I just looked at him and said, he's not finished yet. I can't answer all these questions. It's not finished yet. Well, now it's finished. So I got to really get on it because I know that he's going to really pull for me to see what I got out of this. And this was really good. Um, as a community, we needed this. You know, last week when he says that we're not meant to be a mega church, but we have a mega mission. That spoke volumes to me volumes to me and then you know our three points from this Sunday it's, it's just awesome so he's giving me fuel how many of you got fuel to go on now got to have that fuel to go on amen so we we cannot thank you enough for what you have released and we truly thank you for for being here and your beautiful family amen thank you ladies ladies for gracing us with your presence today and we hope that uh, whenever Mission House is on your heart and y'all want to come on back, come on back and just uh, fellowship with us. Amen. Amen. You are always welcome. Always welcome. Do we have any announcements? And that's Overton School. I think that's mich one of Mission House. How many of you in here are at work over at, at uh, Overton? I think we have one, two. I'm a part-timer. And then and Miss Muhammad. So we have uh, three educators and a possible um, <laughs> over there. So I, And it's open up for the community. So whoever. So, you know, after dinner, take the babies over there and let them bounce and get tired. And, yeah, give them a bath and they can be ready for tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Are there any more?
Is that it? We have Bible Lab on Tuesday. I'm not sure when Pastor is starting the books, but if you haven't, oh, he started last Tuesday. Oh, last Tuesday, so you still have time to get your book, okay? Uh, but Bible Lab is at 6 o'clock on Tuesday nights here, okay? 6.30. I'm always early or late. <laughs> All right. All hearts and mind clear. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mission House, we need to just process these two days. It's a lot of information in there. It's a lot of stuff to jumpstart us in there. Amen. So at this time, we'll see. Oh, it's announcements. Sorry. Dismiss us. Let us stand for the benediction. Church, say amen. Y'all know my saying, right? When you said all you know, time to go. Father, thank you for this gift of time together. Thank you for your word that will not return void. It will accomplish the thing whereunto it has been sent. Now, release us from this place, but never from your presence and never from your love. It's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray that all the people of God say amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.